Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Indie Fantasy Book Club. This is Orland. And I'm Kate. And today we'll be talking about Atlas Rising. Kate, random question for you. Okay, shoot. If you were participating in a VR role-playing game, what crafting path would you follow? Okay, that is assuming that they have the kind of traditional paths, like um, in Atlas Rising they have leatherwork, woodwork, some sort of jewel making or jewelry, and blacksmithing, among others. Yeah. I would choose blacksmithing um, for a couple reasons. One, I think it would it just sounds nice and warm and cozy in your little forge, which, since it's winter, really appeals to me. And two, because I would like to have the epic, massive shoulder muscles of a master craftsman, blacksmith bulky you'll be swole i'll be super swole okay orland i have a (laughs) i have a question for you it's kind of a two-part question are you ready fire away okay in a world in which a vr game has currency that can be easily translatable to real world currency would you trade your current job to become a professional gamer on behalf of my boss i'm gonna say i love my job but that being said, I would say that the biggest downside I see to becoming a prof- professional gamer like that, especially with the VR sets and a lot of the, the RPGs you, we read where they're pod-based, and there's limits to how long you can be in there, how long you can, you have to be out before you can go back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those limits are like 12 to 24 hours. So I feel like you'd have to pull one of those two days on, two days off sort of deals, which is not really conducive to the work-life balance I would want. <clears throat> so that's a that's a no. Would you... So you probably wouldn't change your career path for that, you're saying? Unless I was desperate and I needed it to work. Okay, would you play it for fun if it included real-world pain? Or the perception of real pain? Well, I mean, on the one hand... If all you're doing is crafting, there's no, there's probably not going to be that. I guess you could cut Splinters. yourself with a knife or something. <laughs> Splinter. That's true. That's true. Um, maybe, once again, it comes down to the time commitment, right? So with those games, just looking at Atlas Rising, how much time you spent walking. You know, you log on, you walk three hours, and you log <laughs> off. That was your <laughs> play time for the day. Um, so, Maybe. Maybe. Depends on if they gave me like a super horse that just transported me to where I need to be. The synopsis goes thusly. Our main character, Atlas, joins a mysterious virtual reality game premiere and, without asking about potential side effects of leaving his body in a pod full of needles and subjecting his mind to a radical out-of-body experience, um, Atlas dives into a VR world, becomes a druid, learns magic, picks up multiple crafts, gets killed in VR, turns out it's not so bad, and grows distant with his best friend, and gets fired from his job in real life. He starts spending more time in the game, meets up with some gamers to explore a secret dungeon, and there discover the avatar of his best friend trapped in a cage. That is when he realizes that the game CEOs are body snatchers. Come on, son. (laughs) Who didn't see that coming? Okay. <laughs> Overall opinions, Orland? 
I would say there's a couple things I liked about this book. The first one is the crafting. I did enjoy having a focus on crafting and seeing how it actually contributed to his character. I feel like in a lot of lit RPGs, VR, whether it be VR or otherwise, you, we can get stuck in a rut of let's go out and kill those monsters or let's go out and fetch this stuff. So I like the crafting, crafting aspect of it for sure. Um, I also liked the living weapon. I thought that was pretty fun seeing how it gained levels as he crafted and then lost levels when he actually used it in battle. That's a pretty fun weapon in my opinion. How about you, Kate? What were your overall opinions? Um, well, overall, I enjoyed the journey and I enjoyed the story. I have some pretty heavy reser reservations that we can talk about later. Personally, as much as I enjoyed the story, it was more like a cautionary tale. When I was reading the book, it didn't make me want to live in the world. It didn't even make me want to play the game. It made me want to live more fully in the real world, like go for a run or learn an instrument or something. Something, yeah, something about reading Atlas leaving his body places and just like afterwards when he picks his body up eating trash food and crashing on his couch I was like oh my heavens this is so unhealthy and it caused me a little bit of physical stress thinking about it that's a very interesting point because I know several VR lit RPGs as well as some of the other media like Ready Player One you do see that kind of dual dynamic I think we have to take it with the understanding that a lot of these VRs the main character is coming from a undesirable place in the real world and so that's what really motivates it but I do agree with you as I have been reading and it's one of the reasons why VR is one of my least favorite RPG subgenres lit RPG subgenres is because of how it just detracts from the real world and how it seems to be in competition such that why don't we just upload people mm -hmm. so in line with that, my favorite bit, my favorite bit of reading this book was actually the mystery of the shady corporation who's running the big game. And watching Atlas, who has no inkling, in fact, he even reads a couple of, um, of conspiracy theories online, and he's like, nah, not possible. I... I really actually enjoyed watching him bumble his way into the super duper secret at the end when he's doing the terms of use agreement and he just scrolls through and signs his name and lets them plug his body in no questions asked I mean in his defense we all know that the terms of use are written in legalese <laughs> unless you're a lawyer nobody's gonna understand it yeah Anyways. there was it just yeah it probably written in legalese there was a sentence that says and if we like your body <laughs> we'll just borrow it while you're busy i did think the author took an interesting tact though with making it a shady corporation that was body snatching because i feel like it could be a huge selling point legally mm -hmm. right if you're able to take people's consciousness and essentially detach it from their body and just have them be in the game I'm sure there'd be a huge market for people who are frail physically or suffering from 
a debilitating disease or old age would be very interested in being uploaded permanently. Oh, for sure. They're missing out on a lot of real dollars. That's all I'm worrying about for them and their bottom line. Because one of these days, I think it's going to be Atlas is going to come in and have to do a whole bunch of butt kicking. And then nobody's going to be making money. So what did you think about the magic system? Overall, I didn't think the magic system had anything really intriguing or really new. Um, you had the standard getting skills as you level up. I think part of it, though, may just be that Atlas doesn't really do much with his magic. And, I mean, there's other characters who seem to have more, and there seems like there could be potential there. But since Atlas is so um, heavy on the physical combat, I don't feel like we really get a good taste or a good understanding of what is possible with this magic system. I would agree with you. Along with that, we were talking about the fight system. They have a complex order of operations that you have to follow in order to score physical points against your enemies. And that was fun, especially in the beginning when it seemed like a very rigid system that required them to have kind of a stiff learning curve. Uh, as the story progressed, the author focused less time on the rigidity of the system, and I didn't mind so much. I just imagined it was, um, it was in place, but the battle was moving too fast to pay too much attention to it. But I know that that kind of bothered Orland. Yeah, uh, maybe bothered isn't the right term. I just feel like it got lost. Like, I don't know if the author felt like it was distracting from the story towards the later where there was higher stakes and more things to be considered, so he kind of pushed it to the background. Or if the main character just got so good that he didn't get frozen anymore, which, I mean, I guess is a possibility. It just seemed much more turn-based at the beginning of the book. And then by the end of the book, it felt more of a less turn-based game style and more kind of League of Legends. Everybody's able to move whenever they want to move. Yeah. I want to add one of my favorite bits was in the middle, he joins a little mini tournament called The Hunt, which allows him to team up with other characters. And we get to see other people's fighting styles and we get to see cool monsters Atlas gets to use his crafting and his magic. In terms of what made it different, I would say that the focus on crafting is something that you don't see in a lot of the RPGs. It is becoming more common. There's a couple other series I've read that have tried to incorporate the crafting. Um, but what I've seen in those ones is that it often turns into a guild versus guild super war or a guild versus not guild super war. And I find that to be somewhat exhausting and maybe not boring but it's almost like reading a book where two countries are fighting and you look at the the battle on the country scale so I feel like it's hard to really grasp the stakes even if you know like mentally what they are I feel like they don't mean as much the at least to me as a reader with his crafting I loved that he started off broke that he was killed at a certain point and had to restart basically from scratch uh, we had a nice underdog moment and I loved watching him collect his coin. As for what I found different in this, I know that there are lots of VR books out there, but this is only the second VR that I've 
encountered, the first being Ready Player One. It was interesting to watch him like measure time. Like he'd be like, all right, I have two days in the game world. I have to make this much stuff happen. Sometimes I felt like the author was skewing time a little bit. Like he'd be like, well, I was able to craft 10 whole, 10 whole boots. That was it. And then the other day he's like, but I completed 10 whole monster killings during the hunt. No, I, I agree to a certain extent that there are, Time seemed a bit flexible. So, talking about reservations. I liked the story. I liked a lot of the things about the characters and the plot and the world. Just great. In fact, I love the mystery. And the body snatching, I think, is a great villain. Uh, but the grammar was so bad, it took me out of the story in a number of places. And the, the writing in general could really use a facelift. I would suggest that the author hire an editor, if not for this book, then for subsequent books. Um, in terms of the editing, I did catch a few things as well, and I know, and I mean, if I catch a few things, then you know that's. <laughs> if that's Orla <laughs> notices your grammar, you know you have to step up. Yeah, that's a red flag right there. But um, I do agree that I found the story quite interesting. One of my biggest reservations was that while the crafting was very interesting initially. I felt like the author wasn't sure how to keep it relevant, how to keep it interesting. And so towards the end, it was more of a, I did all this stuff and it was grinding and monotonous. And yeah. I feel like that really loses the draw of the crafting. It's almost like it turns into another avenue of, let's just go kill more monsters. Yeah. At Which a certain I point, I started yeah. skimming through. Like... There was there came a point with his leather working etc where he was such a high level that there were so many options and all the phrasing was exactly the same except for the last word and so I started skipping to the last word but then I realized it had no plot like applications okay. at all and so I would end up just skipping them entirely I'm like I don't care if he's making small beads or large beads it doesn't matter doesn't matter it doesn't affect him emotionally so if i were saying to our friend the author in the future i might want to have it be tied somehow emotionally or plot related in that vein though with the plot related i think what he was doing with that staff he had to fix that was think, cool yeah i think that was definitely the right direction but it came so fast mm. like it's this legendary he did it living... in like one half day <laughs> Yeah, it's this leg legendary living weapon, right? Yeah. Unique, uh -huh. which is super cool. Really have a lot of potential there. Yeah. I like, I'll just jaunt off to find a living ent. Kill the ent. Yeah, it just, <laughs> Kill four it more just happened so fast. I felt like yeah. that a lot of potential is there, and it wasn't quite fully flushed out to what I would have hoped. Yeah, so having such a cool, unique living weapon that we could remember is one way, or... Or just have him, instead of having 20 brand new things hit him all at once, say, you can make one. And have him work on that one thing and have it mean something to him. Yeah, agreed. I think that was one of the benefits of the beginning where it was just starting out with the crafting. Like, yeah. oh, now I can make boots or something like that. I, yeah. And it was like actually helpful to him because he was helpful to putting him. on gear. And it also made friends where people were like, you can make armor? I love that. I love when 
when we get to just have like something like better than somebody else, which is a weird thing in lit RPG that you don't actually find in a lot of other fantasy is where you end up having a character who's a little bit overpowered because they have some sort of advantage. And when he has all this leather armor and everybody can look at him and say, wow, that would be so expensive. And he can make them for his friends. And so, yeah, I think he had a lot of good stuff going there. He could probably... Yeah, I think he'll be fine in the future, too, because he has the living weapon. I'm sure he'll have something likewise. I'm just worried, though, that with this mystery from the shady corporation, right, that's obviously going to be a huge portion of the plot moving forward. Oh, for sure. So I'm worried that the crafting is going to be kind of sidelined and turned into a, I just use this to make money and here's a long list of things I can make. Which yeah. I feel like would be a shame in my opinion, but if that's where the book needs to go, that's obviously the author's choice. So let's just ask that ne- next question. Are you going to read book two? I believe I will. Yeah. He's going to read book two. How about you? I will read book two because you'll buy book two, I'm sure. And <laughs> since we'll already have it, I might as well. Um, but you know what? I don't know if I would recommend this book to a brand new lit RPG reader because I feel like it might give them the wrong impression or start them off with an unfavorable view of the genre. And as I feel like this is great for somebody who's read a lot and can appreciate just nuances in, in the story and kind of look past some of the rough outer edges. With book two, I am interested, though, because we do... We end on such a cliffhanger with book one. His friend is literally in a a mental cage in the shape of a fox. No, he's in the shape of a fox. The cage is in the shape of a cage. Was he a fox? He was some sort of beastkin. Yeah, I don't think it was a fox, though. He was a a beastykin. So so I'm interested to see where they plan on fighting these battles, because I think in real life... In real life... You discover your friend has been taken prisoner. The right course of action is go to the FBI in the real world. But then they could it would be hard to prove that it wasn't him. So they'll probably have to like do some sort of prison break on the inside without letting the shady corp know because then they would block them and they wouldn't be able to get in. I would say going off of Kate's um, ramble not ramble her recommendation or not recommending it to a a person just starting out in the genre i would say that really depends on what you're looking for in a book i think this book was fun and i enjoyed reading it so i do think it is something worthwhile to take a few hours to read through next week we will be reading clean sweep by ilana andrews um an interesting fact about ilana andrews is that it's actually a husband wife writing team I have been asking you to husband write team something no no that won't work for so long and obviously you keep saying that won't work yeah that won't work because our visions are so different sweetie I think with the mind of an engineer you You want to write grimdark I do (laughs) you write the fluffy if we co-wrote a book I would definitely have to say that you we'd have to have two different POVs (laughs) you could be this light bubbly character that everybody loves and I'll be this grimdark character that provides a contrast to 
for people to understand how wonderful and beautiful your character is. We could have Lael come back, huh? Lael, the postwoman. <laughs> oh, Lael. You know, I had somebody request that Lael join the lit RPG book that I'm writing. Who? Rebecca. She's like, this. we need to have a cross-world mashup. Have Lael just get sucked in? Where'd well, you come from? I truly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I do know that some some authors out there are trying to create like universes where they have multiple different series and then try yeah. to tie it all together. I don't like that. Do you like that? I don't like that. I think it can be good or bad. I think there's aspects of it which are pretty cool, you know. Having everything wrapped into one like greater scheme is kind of cool. But on the flip side, then you end up with something like the Marvel movies. Yeah. Where it's just so much. Where if you miss this movie over here, then all these movies down the line don't make any sense. Or if they do make sense, you're missing, like, key ingredients Yeah. that really take like, away from your enjoyment of the movie, in my opinion. We watched that terrible movie whose name I won't even bother saying in case it's an infrig- infringement. But, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I got you. Yeah. Starts with an E. Rams was a terrible movie. But, it, yeah, there's, like, multiple parts where they just sit down at a table and say in-world jokes to each other. And we're like, bleh, bleh, don't care, can't care, couldn't care less. It's just, yeah, I feel like also as you build your universe out with so many characters, you can't, it's harder to... It requires to, a lot of investment a lot to of keep track of them. And in I think really that's long actually, books. In really long books. And I think that's actually something interesting with the lit RPG field, as well as cultivation novels. Anything where you can progress like noticeably uh-huh. and distinctly is that the authors either have to come become good at keeping like a very small core group together and leaving people behind who become extraneous or kill or, them or kill them game of thrones game of thrones or you end up with those books where they're like oh yeah we saw this person this person this person and you're just like who <laughs> and like well obviously it's, it's from book two chapter 75 you don't remember the obscure innkeeper it's like nah, no no that just didn't even register. Yeah. Because, like, the problem is, in real life, you have your core group of friends, your family, and your acquaintances. And when you're trying to solve a problem, you have reach outwards. And so when you're an author, you're writing through there, like, how do I solve this problem in which a big baddie is coming to town? You're like, obviously, you call a really big group of people. But as if you're just trying to read something, it's better if you're like, I'm going to call my three best friends. Because then you can have each one of them have a name and an arc and a description and we can know what they look like. Versus if you're like being realistic, I'm going to call a hundred people and mm-hmm. their army is just, it's just not as good literature in my opinion. Agreed. And it spirals out of control. Mm-hmm. But like on the flip side, it's very easy to feel like if you don't mention all these people coming, that you're insensitive. Yeah. And don't care. But... Or Anyways, worse, or we, worse, that you're illogical. Where when it's like when there's like, why do we, why do we have to be, why do we have to face it with just three people? I mean, if it's a lit RPG though, because we're novel, the strongest people in the universe. They're stronger than everybody else, and noticeably, and a lot of the really strong ones have area of effect skills that are far more powerful than the, you know, ultimate Ooh. skills of the weaker people. So what book was I reading? Oh, it was Defiance of the Fall. Defiance of the Fall is really smart, where they have the armies of weaklings empowering their generals. That's Mm -hmm. brilliant. That makes good sense. 
in almost every other sense where you have people who can become absolute superhuman monsters, having an army makes no sense. So, praise Unless to it the, does. Unless it does. <laughs> Defiance of the Fall. Good book. Great oh, series. Okay. To bring us back around, we are going to be reading... Clean Sweep. Clean Sweep by Alana Andrews. So, find it, read it, and meet us back for Monday. And we will discuss it and give you all the spoilers. Thank you for joining us today. See you next time. Bye.